0: developing your understanding and awareness of leadership. I'm Steve Rush, and I'm your host today. I'm the author of Leadership Cake. I'm a transformation consultant and leadership coach. and can't wait to start sharing all things leadership with you. Our special guest on today's show is Steve Ulsha He's known as the world's foremost reinvention expert. He's an award-winning author, of what is your what he's a 30 plus year entrepreneur having founded many businesses including being the editor-in-chief of podcast magazine stick around to the end of today's show and find out how you can unlock a lifetime's free subscription of podcast magazine but before we get a chance to speak with steve it's a leadership hacker news In the news today, we're going to explore what sets entrepreneurs apart from the rest. I've had the pleasure of working alongside some of the world's best entrepreneurs. And during the podcast, I've interviewed dozens and dozens of world-class top entrepreneurs. And here's my top five things that I think sets them apart. Number one, they all have a really clear vision and they stick to it. Dr. David Lenihan, who's the co-founder of Tiber Health said, There are two reasons why this is important. One, you must be able to communicate the value of your vision to your team in order to keep them focused, enthusiastic, and on task. And two, you must be able to clearly and concisely articulate your vision so that you can attract capital and drive investment into your business too. Two, build a brand. These days, personal branding isn't just for celebrities. It's there to help everybody, including entrepreneurs, stand out in a competitive market. The most recognisable brands that you'll notice come with traits that most people can identify with. Adrian Fisher, who's the CEO of Property Simple, said, Think about Apple's clean lines of aesthetic and cutting-edge technology or the nostalgia that comes with a can of Coca-Cola Classic. A well-crafted personal brand has exactly the same presence and it's helped drive my business faster forward. So having a clear... Social media presence and blogging are really good places to start building your own personal brand. 3. Most successful entrepreneurs are driven by a desire to solve real problems and create concrete value for their customers. Now this might seem obvious, but with the hype that's around fundraising and seed funding and creating grand visions for global domination, this is often unfortunately forgotten. Jesse Neiman, who's the co-founder and chairman of Weimar, said... Regardless of some of his shortcomings, Elon Musk is not just an incredible visionary, he's also a skilled engineer who is able to break down huge engineering problems, like building reusable rockets at SpaceX, into smaller, more manageable parts. Number 4. Follow a System Most entrepreneurs will be following a system and see this as the most important thing to their success in any business. They have a pattern or a path to keep them on track. Catherine Adams, who's the founder of Creative Legacy Group, said, We have proven success within our insurance agency to keep new and old agents on track. Don't reinvent the wheel. You have to be able to duplicate yourself to be successful. I want my agents to be stronger and better than me, and in order to make that happen, there must be a system for them to follow that has proven results. Number 5. The ability to accept failure as a learning what does set entrepreneurs apart from the rest is their ability to accept failure. It can take a lot of time to be invested and many failures before you go on to be successful. So having that combination of perseverance and the ability to pick up, keep moving forward is something that's ingrained in entrepreneurs. They are in a constant situation where they are hyper-focused on improving experience of their team as well as that of their customers building and managing deeper relationships and at the same time remain open-minded in order to change focus when required. That's been the Leadership Act News today. If you have any news, stories or insights you'd love our listeners to hear, please get in touch. Steve Olshare is the special guest on today's show. He's been an entrepreneur for over 30 years. He's a speaker and a coach and founder and editor-in-chief of Podcast Magazine. Steve's also been the original founder of Liquor.com and he now hosts the top-rated podcast, Reinvention Radio. Steve, welcome to the Leadership Packer Podcast.
1: Yep, appreciate you having me on.
0: I feel like we're kind of in the presence of podcast royalty today, so thank you for choosing to be on our show. But podcasts haven't really been your thing all along, so tell us a little bit about your backstory as to how you've arrived at doing what you're doing right now.
1: Sure. done it over the course of my career, and reality is – Man, I from catalogs to dot coms to r- uh, raking lawns, you know, and or raking leaves and, and mowing lawns, shoveling driveways. <sighs> you know, man, if it paid a if it paid a dollar or two, I've probably tried it over the you know at some point in my career. But yeah, you know, it's just one of those things where I've always been uh, kind of wired to try to rub a couple of dimes together to make a quarter. So it's uh, it's one of those gifts uh, and those curses where my mind's just always moving, trying to figure out where the next opportunity is.
0: They say that entrepreneurship is in your blood. Where was the first moment that you can recognize that you felt that entrepreneurial spirit?
1: Entrepreneurs can be made and they're they're not born. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I think it's either in your DNA or it's not. For me, it's just always been, uh, you know, really a part of who I am. So I, I don't know, man. You know, it's it's. When I look back at, at my career, I don't think I would have had any other choice but to be uh, an entrepreneur and and to do what it is that that I naturally do on a, on a day to day basis. So, as as you start thinking about the entrepreneurial landscape and where the opportunities are and what that looks like to be an entrepreneur, just the the whole idea of, of really controlling my life and and my destiny, um, it just I I can't stop doing that like even if i tried to get a job right just i'm just not wired to work for somebody else so yeah you know it's kind of in the dna
0: so podcast magazine is growing beyond it's getting lots and lots of followership and getting some great recognition globally but what is it you're doing at the moment beyond the podcast magazine
1: things that are going on i mean as you say, we've got Podcast Magazine. Podcast Magazine is a um, a division, so to speak, of a, of a larger parent company that we call Ear Control. And so the the bigger picture around Podcast Magazine and and Ear Ear Control is 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 Podcast Magazine really represents the the main media piece uh, of the equation. So we've got the magazine, the email subscriber list, the the website traffic, the social media following, et cetera. So that's really like pillar one. Uh, pillar two under your control uh, is uh, our own network of shows. So we're actually in the process of developing our own network of shows. Uh, and, and that's something that we're we're pretty fired up to do uh, in 2021 and beyond is get shows under the uh, under the podcast magazine or your control network umbrella. Um, number three, pillar three is our technology piece. And so we're in the process of devel- uh, developing uh, an app that helps with discovery uh, for both podcast fans and, of course, for, for podcasters as well. Uh, and then we've got some other technology pieces that we're developing there in terms of a podcast valuation tool and a marketplace for buying and selling a podcast, et cetera. Uh, and then pillar four uh, is uh, that that's more of our, our sure we just say our event department where we've got a virtual event called the New Media Summit. There we give people the opportunity to pitch top podcasters on who they are and what they do and they get booked on the spot. Uh, and then we've got Pod Expo, which is our I guess the best way to put it is it's kind of like Comic Con uh, for podcasts. You're really fan focused.
0: Yeah. So, not much going on then. (laughs) It sounds like you're really busy. Nah,
1: nothing's (laughs) going on. No. Mm -mm.
0: (laughs) So, now from the last time that we spoke together, I remember you saying that you believe there's only one thing that really prevents somebody from living that life of happiness, fulfillment, and purpose. What is it?
1: Discovering what what I call your your what, and your what being that one thing if you will, um, that you were really meant and made to do. And, and a lot of people will go a, a lifetime without having clarity around what their what is. Um, and, and that's to be expected, because we don't really teach this stuff in schools, and it's not something a lot of people talk about around the dinner table. Uh, but once you have clarity on what your what is, it really does make all the difference.
0: Now, often people talk about their why. In fact, Simon Sinek has made a career out of that, famously so. But you implore people to really start to think of discovering their what. So what's the difference, if I'm listening to this, that will help me understand the difference between my what and my why?
1: I love what Simon does, and we had a chance to sit down with him on Revention Radio, and that was an interesting discussion around the why versus the what. Uh, I mean, your, your why is super important, and it is really the driving force in terms of your choice around what it is that you do. So, like, your why can be to feed your family. Your why can be to provide clean drinking water for, for people who don't have clean drinking water. Your why could be to, fo- to provide food for those in need, right? And, and that's all well and good. Sure. Um, and, and those are really external factors, right? Again, you can choose what your why is because it's outside of who you are. Your, your what is really that which has chosen you. It's not that which you have chosen. So, what I know to be true is that your your what is really just an inherent part of, of who you are, and you can spend a lifetime in denial about what it is, uh, but ultimately it's there for you to tap into. So your why is external, your your what is really internal.
0: How would you describe what your what is?
1: I, I do think that my what is is really helping people discover theirs, but then because of my entrepreneurial background, I then have the ability to help them market, share and monetize it. Uh, And so I think it's it's just a really unique combination of skill sets that, that I don't see a lot of other people having.
0: Sure. Now, you've written the book, What is Your What? And it's the principle of discovering that one amazing thing that you're born to do. And within the book, you mentioned these four paths. So what are the four paths, Steve, and how might we identify which one we're currently on?
1: The four paths. What I'm talking about in the book is the fact that we we all have when you when when you look at just the people that kind of walk the earth here. I, I think we all have one one of these four paths that that we can take, and most of the time we don't even know that we're on one of these paths. Um, but the the four paths are. Well, I'll start with the easiest one, which are which are which is the path of the birther and so the the path of the the birther um, these are the people that we really just kind of look at, and if you don't know what you're really fired up to do and you don't have that kind of clarity you, you look at these people and you go, yeah. you just you know you just don't like them because they've really known like from day one,
0: just have a vibe yeah,
1: almost from day one, just how they're naturally wired to excel yeah they just they just know who they are, you know, and they just they just know what they love and they know what they're good at and and they might get off path here, there, otherwise, but, you know, the, the reality is at, at most points in their life, they they get back to, to really who they inherently are. Okay. That's one path. The The second path uh, is the path of the wanderer. And the, the path of the wanderer, this is someone who literally wanders through life without ever really figuring out what their what is. And as I said earlier, it's really through no fault of their own. We just don't have these sort of conversations, but they did—they have a job, they do this, they do that and they get by, um, but they really don't wake up with a fire in their soul every single day. The third path is the path of the of what I call the shifter. And so this shifter, that, that path reflects someone who just kind of needs to make a, a subtle adjustment to what they're doing. So when we talk about the what is your what, uh, process here and the what is your what framework, there's three elements of the what is your what framework. There's the core gift, which really reflects, again, how you're inherently wired to Excel. There's the primary vehicle that you'll use to share that gift. And then there are the people that you're most compelled to serve. And so it's a combination of the gift, the vehicle, and the people that make up the what is your what framework. And so typically shifters just have to make a subtle adjustment to one of those three pieces of the equation. And then that typically makes all of the difference. And then the fourth path is the path of the reinventor. And the reinventor is someone who literally does a 180. So maybe they were an attorney And now they're helping people to learn how to surf off the coast of Hawaii. You know, like that sort of thing. There's a completely different career. Like my wife reinvented her life. She was a Chicago public school teacher. And then after we had kids, when she decided she wanted to go back to work, she tapped into the calling that she's had since a very young age um, and pursued her degree in mortuary science. And now we're actually opening a funeral home uh, for her here in, in San Diego, California. So. That would be a perfect example of a reinventor.
0: And you've also become known as America's reinvention expert. And it seems like an easy thing to say. But what actually does reinventing yourself entail?
1: I've grown around quite a bit since I'm not saying I invented the term. I don't own the term by any stretch. But yeah, I, I put together my first episode of Reinvention Radio in 2009 so we I've been talking reinvention for a long time, and, and you know when Burger King starts talking about reinventing the hamburger it's probably time to to revisit how we're how we're thinking about the term but you know look to 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 my way of thinking, reinvention is really not at all about changing who you are in any sort of meaningful way it's really just about shedding the the shackles of the kind of the expectations and the whims and the agendas that others have thrown out at us over the years and, and just stripping away at all of that to get back to the core, really the essence of, of just who you inherently
0: are. It's easier said than done though, isn't it? Because we've come with all of this baggage that's created us to who we are. Are there some simple tips that you could share that would help me kind of reinvent, reframe? Yeah.
1: And so really it all starts with just turning on the light switch. I mean like that's that's the first and perhaps the most important step, because when you think about a light switch, I mean, it's either on or it's off, and, and most of us will go through life with it in the off position. In other words, we're not really thinking about, you know, how am I naturally wired to excel? What, what am I here to do? Is there something else that I can be doing that I'm potentially not doing that I should be doing? And so literally, if you just think about it from that standpoint in terms of, you know, hey, here's, here's the light switch moment, and I'm going to go ahead and turn this on. Once you make the decision that you want to figure out what your what is, and, and you really want to jump out of bed every morning knowing that there just not, aren't enough hours in the day to do what you got to get done, that's a super important first step. I mean, we can get more granular, but if you could just do that. Yeah. That in of itself can make a tremendous difference.
0: It's an awakening almost, isn't it?
1: But sure. It's definitely, you know, definitely an awakening of sorts. Um, but, you know, look, we can, we can then be awake, but you know, at the same token, we then have to figure out what to do with that awareness. So uh, that's step one. Step two, of course, is then making the conscious decision to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to figure things out.
0: Right. And in your experience, Steve, you've been through this yourself on a number of different occasions and being an entrepreneur for 30 years. I wondered if this is almost a similar process that venture capitalists and entrepreneurs go through when they explore new business ideas. Can you see there is a parallel there?
1: Look at the the successful, quote unquote, successful entrepreneurs. They've tried a million things before they've gotten to the point where now they have some degree of notoriety and elevated status, and and people look at them and go, oh wow, this, you know, this this company, this person is really doing some some incredible things. It's very similar. It's very similar. I mean, you you have a, a a very similar situation with how you go about reinventing your own life. And and yeah, you just simply have to try. A number of things before you get to the point where you're like, yeah, this really puts fire in my soul.
0: Yeah. And I guess when you head off on the journey of your new what, you might actually find that what you thought you were heading towards might be something different and you might need that to reinvent yourself once more.
1: Well, that's, and that's exactly right. I mean, the reality is once you get in motion, that's, that's when amazing things happen. So, you know, if, if step one of discovering your what is really just turning on the light switch, and then step two is, is, taking action and really, you know, making the conscious choice to to seek out various uh, modalities, you know, whether it's what is your what or Myers-Briggs or what color is your parachute or whatever it might be, uh, to try to get to those answers, then then yeah, perhaps step three um could certainly be looked at uh, in terms of, okay, great, now I need to to run on some parallel paths, and I really just need to get into to motion here and bringing what I discovered to fruition and and in reality it's it's when you get in motion, you start doing those things. that's typically when you you come across the the answer to okay, this this is what I really love doing.
0: yeah, yeah. and it's driven by then passion, and I suspect it becomes a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy where you get that passion follows, energy follows action
1: yeah and you know, look, I mean i'm I'm all for passion, don't get me wrong, yeah. but at the same token, there's a lot of people who are moving in you know, shall we say passionately or enthusiastically and they're and they're running in the wrong direction.
0: yeah, I see that too. So can you give us some examples maybe of people who you've worked with or coached who have really discovered their what and how they might be changing the world as a result?
1: You know, there's there's a couple of examples that I love sharing. Um, One really concrete example um, that isn't going to be one of these earth shattering types of stories where you're going to go, oh, I know that person kind of thing. Let me just share this with you. So there was a a woman who came to um, for years. I used to teach something called the reinvention workshop where I would help people do exactly this, which is figure out what their what is uh, and then uh, just really help them create that plan of action for bringing it to fruition so uh, there was a woman who came to the event and I'm old enough where I've, I've learned not to ask women their age, but I'm going to guess that she was probably in her late 50s, um, somewhere right around there. And she came to the event um, just feeling pretty good about things, but just knowing that there was maybe a piece of the puzzle that was missing for her. And so as we started working together, um, she explained that she was a, a nurse and she was a kind of like a, a general Nurse in a in a hospital. I don't know the exact terminology, but she was a, a nurse in a hospital. I'll just put it to you that way. And and so she was clear as we looked at the what is your what equation. She was really clear that her her gift. If we remember, we we go back to the gift the uh, the what is your what framework it's comprised of the gift, the vehicle, and the people. She was really clear that her core gift is healing. Like she she knows she's a healer, and there's a lot of people who are healers out there, and you know they just it shows up in different ways through their vehicle. And, and her vehicle, of course, was nursing. So sure. she was very clear that her gift was was healing, her, her vehicle uh, was nursing. She loved what she did, but she just felt like a piece of the puzzle was missing. And so as we dug into things, uh, it just really became clear to to her and to us that where she was just slightly off, again, if you go back to the past, she was definitely a shifter, where she was slightly off was with the people that she was serving. And I remember as we started going through the exercise of trying to, to to bring to the surface for her the people that she's most compelled to serve. I remember when she wrote the words on the board: disadvantaged, elderly, and and it's like it's almost like when you uh, when you have a treasure chest and you turn the key and then it opens up and everything kind of glows and the angels sing, yeah. oh, you know, all that fun <laughs> stuff. Like that's that's what happened for her. Like you could literally just see her light up when she wrote the words disadvantaged elderly on the board. And for her, that, that really spelled all the difference. She had been working in this, in this hospital and, and um, you know, and again, liking what she did, but she just realized that she needs to be working with the disadvantaged elderly and that's who she's really compelled to serve. And so fast forward, um, you know, a number of years now, but it, it took her about a year or so to land a job as the head I believe they call it a charge nurse uh, at a uh, at a veterans administration hospital. So she was working with the, the disadvantaged elderly, the, the veterans who couldn't really take care of themselves at that point. Um, and, and she's really just been loving it ever since.
0: That's an amazing story. And yeah. It just goes to show that somebody who's already on that path, but just a little off kilter with a little bit of realignment can make a, a real difference in the world. Love it. Great story. Yeah. So at this part of the show, Steve, we get the opportunity to tap into that 30 years of experience you've got in leading teams and businesses and organizations and ideation. If we were to kind of break that down as best you can, what would you say your top three leadership hacks would be?
1: Well, I'm not sure that I've got leadership hacks per se. I'm not one of those people that has all these magical spells and tricks (laughs) and these sort of things up my sleeve. But, you know, one of the things, and I'll throw out a few leadership strategies, if you will, that I've learned over the years. Um, And I I wish I could sit here and say these are all rocket science, but, you know, maybe these would be good reminders uh, for some. So, number one, uh, as a leader, it's really your job to give ownership to your team. And and so, a lot of leaders want to hang on to as much of the process as possible. And if you want to create real wealth and you want to create real growth, you just have to be willing to to, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, grant ownership to your team of, of what's going on. And, you know, they may not do as good as you necessarily, like no one does what you can do. But I, I liken it to a sales team. Right. And if you have uh, just you're the you're the best salesman. Right. And, and pretty much hands down, most of the time, you're the one who can sell what you do better than anybody else. But that's not scalable. So let's just say you bring in somebody who's 60% as good as you. So you go in and you close 10 out of 10 deals. They go in, they close six out of 10 deals. Are you leaving money on the table? Yeah, you're leaving some money on the table. But let's say you then hire a second salesperson who is, again, 60% as good as you are, Well, now, and I don't want to get into a debate about if this math is actually correct or not, but now if you have two people who are 60% as good as you on the street, the results, hopefully, are that you actually have 12 deals closed as opposed to the 10 deals that you you would have closed if you were in control. So, So giving them that ownership and giving them that trust, definitely something that's hard for a lot of people to do. Um, and 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 that's that's really one one thing to think about. Um, it, number two, you know, from a leadership perspective, I, I believe that many of us tend to operate with a, a little bit of a of a heavy hand. And I'm not saying that we have to wear kid gloves and and just be overly sweet uh, that sort of thing. I mean, there are times where correction is needed and things didn't go exactly plan, but but I am saying that, you know, you got to be really aware of the fact that people want to be respected and, and they want to be treated well. And especially today, if you have talent, you can find a, a job just about anywhere if you're any good at what you do. So holding on to talent really requires a different approach today than it did even just 10, 15 years ago, yeah. right? Um, so, so that's number two. And then number three, um, you, you really have to paint the picture. Your your job as a leader, more than anything else, is to enroll people into your vision. So do whatever you've got to do. Get involved with a mastermind group, hire a coach, do whatever it is to expand your thinking. Because a a, a true leader is always growing and expanding the vision that their team is really buying into. And so if you're having trouble seeing where your biggest opportunity is and what that bigger vision can be for you and your company, then then you may need someone from the outside to help you to really see where that that, that blue ocean, so to speak, is and where your biggest opportunity is.
0: I agree. And it's one thing I see that really sets those successful businesses apart from ones that are less successful. The greater clarity, the business leaders and leaders in every sense of the world from you know junior staff to senior staff the clearer their vision is the more likely of success they are yeah for sure that's some great ideas and tips, Steve, that our listeners would absolutely buy into. So thank you for sharing those. Yeah. The next part of our show we we stick into is what we call hack to attack. So this is typically where something in your life or work has screwed up. It's not gone well, but the learning you've got from it now serves you well. Now, being an entrepreneur for so long, I suspect you might have a bunch of these. But what would be your hack to attack?
1: Well, I mean, I, I would just simply say that that's pretty much every day of my life. <laughs> there isn't a day that I don't, that I don't fail in, in some way, shape or form. I think maybe on a more macro level, what I would offer rather than a, a specific experience because I've been on the brink of bankruptcy not once but twice i've 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 had millions in the bank and I've had zero in the bank, you know I mean so the 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 thing that I can offer that might be more helpful just in terms of a again a sort of a, a macro perspective as far as this is concerned, is just embracing the notion. And that there really is is no such thing as failure, right? Failure is one of those terms of ignorance that weak-minded people like to throw out at at those who dare to soar Mm, in an attempt to bring them down. And so I choose to view failure as success with an unintended ending. I like that. We're really just in in the business of, of one particular like our game as business owners, it, it boils down to one specific thing. And that is gathering data because at the end of the day, it, it's not that you did something right. It's not that you did something wrong. It's just that you're gathering data. And if you can look at this this whole world of, of business as, as that game of of being in the data gathering business. And that's the game you're trying to win is gathering the most data. Sure. I mean, like just getting inputs so that you have better, a better understanding of the decisions to make. That's how you ultimately make better decisions so um, that's that's the best advice that that I can offer. Now, as it relates to any particular failure or shortcoming or wish I did better? And, and believe me, I've left so many zeros on the table with at least one funny. I bet. Um, but I, but 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 I think this probably serves people better than that.
0: Failures is a really interesting one. It keeps reappearing. It's almost a word that we should ban in business because it creates the wrong thinking the wrong mindset and i love the way that you've reframed that so thanks for sharing it the last thing that we want to do steve is give you a chance to do some time travel you get to jump in the time machine go back and bump into yourself at 21 you get to give yourself some advice what would your advice be
1: yeah it's interesting right so at 21 um i had just I, i had opened my own nightclub when i was 19 um Yes, it was a non-alcoholic nightclub for those wondering. Um, And and so I I just got done leaving that and turning it over to my manager and business partner. And I walked away from that. And I was contemplating on coming back to Chicago from the city where I had opened up the nightclub uh, and and joining the family business. And what what I would have said to to my 21 year old self at that time, because um there was a pretty interesting opportunity that was 1991-ish, somewhere right around that. Is that even correct? I don't think my math is right. Uh, Whatever it is. And so this was a point in time where I started working with my mom and we worked together actually for about nine years building a business called Liquor by Wire. Uh, And so that eventually became Liquor.com and and we launched on CompuServe's electronic mall in 93, built a fully functional e-commerce site in 95, I mean, really early into the space. And so the the twenty one year old self with that twenty one year old self needed to hear was you have you, you have a I believe the word is is it prescience It's like well you have the ability to see the future prescience So I have the ability to see trends really, really early and what I would have told my twenty one year old self is is trust the trends that you see and listen. When you get that voice of this is something that you need to do, because ultimately the things that I decided to do were on point. But I began to second guess my decisions so much so that I even signed away the management rights to our company at one point because I didn't believe in myself enough to take us to that next step. Wow. And so that that would be the advice is just really trust yourself, you know, trust yourself to do the right thing trust yourself to make the right decisions and, and trust what you see in terms of where you is wayne gretzky used to say right i mean where you see the puck going
0: so where do you think that comes from that ability to see trends and predict things because that's that's not everybody doesn't get that right that's not a common thing that people have where does that come from, from yeah you?
1: yeah i um I have the ability to 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 and I'm not saying I'm I'm great at this I mean I'm good at it but I mean I missed bitcoin when I had been in the conversation around bitcoin like I I had an account opened with one of those exchanges I don't even remember which one in like 2012 so it was one of those things where I was like oh man this is going to be great and then the other part of me said yeah just don't piss money away this is stupid right so, so, you know, that, that would be um, just a, an example there, just like it was with the dot-com space and seeing where everything was headed in the, in the world of, of dot-coms. But, you know, the, the reality is that I have the ability to gather a lot of data and I've always been open to getting data from a lot of different sources, and so I think it's because of the input and the data that I receive from so many different sources that I'm able then to step back and go, you know what, this is pretty interesting. Mm. And I think there's serious potential here. And so I guess I'm I I, I guess really I'm able to delineate between what I think is, is hype and, and and something that might be bordering on on unrealistic and, and where a true opportunity lies.
0: It's a gift. So, if we look forward to twenty twenty one, then go on, throw it, throw it out there. What's your hunch for this year? What are the the, the emerging trends that you think are going to be the future success factors in our lives?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I can only do that from from a business standpoint. That's what I'm really good at. I mean, whatever you choose to do on your own personal level, so to speak, is you know, that, I'm not going to give you, not going to give you personal advice. <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, Yes, but what I will say um, is that from from a business perspective, uh, I've been playing around with, uh, with Clubhouse, which is uh, an iOS-specific app, uh, and I've been playing around with Clubhouse since all of December 14th of 2020. And as I said, I've been online a long time, I mean, almost 30 years, and, and I haven't seen anything like what's going on with Clubhouse in terms of the stickiness, in terms of the engagement, in terms of the the stratospheric growth and in expedited periods of time, I haven't seen anything like what's going on with Clubhouse in a long time. So my my personal take um, is much like I missed the opportunity with Bitcoin. I'm either going to sit here and I'm going to watch people do really amazing things with Clubhouse uh, and, and not get involved. Or I'm going to get involved with it. I'm going to devote at least six months to it to really build it up and, and see what we can do with it. And if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm wrong. But if I'm right, I think there's an opportunity to write uh, a meal ticket here for some time to come.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be the the next audio Facebook. I've heard it been described as.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a fair. I think that's a very fair description. Um, but I think it's even more than that because Facebook. Facebook is, is very much uh, a one-way conversation. Uh, this, this is as much of a, of a dialogue and, and a conversation as you can have with, with people who both you want to learn from and people that you can teach, as, as, as I've ever seen.
0: Mm, neat. I will make sure that I spend more time focusing on that because it's been one of those things that just have appeared in the ether recently. And yet, haven't had the opportunity to to fully immerse myself in it.
1: Yeah, trust me on this. It's if you missed the Instagram boat, if you missed the 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 Facebook boat, if you if you missed all that fun stuff going on with social media, um, this is I don't want to say the opportunity of a lifetime because I've seen a lot of opportunities come across uh, during my life, um, but this is this is about as compelling as it gets right now.
0: Sure, I'm on it. So, Steve, for those that are listening today that want to learn a little bit more about the work you've done, maybe get some insights to some of the writing that you have and you're speaking, where's the best place for us to send them when we're done?
1: Uh, well, I mean, we started out talking a little bit about Podcast Magazine and all that fun stuff. Uh, if you go to podcastmagazine.com slash free, uh, it's a backdoor private link to grab a free lifetime subscription. So just simply podcastmagazine.com slash free. And uh, if you want to connect with me on Clubhouse. My handle is at podcasts with an S and uh, and you should join our club, club pod. And uh, we'd love to have you join that conversation as well.
0: Awesome. We'll make sure all of that information is in our show notes and on our website. So folk can literally just click in and uh, join up with you there. I appreciate it. Steve, just left for me to say, thank you. You've been an awesome guest. some fabulous learning from you. And I'm delighted that we're connected through uh, this wonderful medium of podcasting thanks for being on the leadership hacker podcast yep appreciate you having me thanks steve i genuinely want to say a heartfelt thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in too we do this in the service of helping others and spreading the word of leadership without you listening in there would be no show so please subscribe now if you haven't done so already share this podcast with your communities and network and help us develop a community and a tribe of leadership hackers And finally, if you'd like me to work with your senior team, your leadership community, keynote an event, or you would like to sponsor an episode, please connect with us via our social media. And you can do that by following and liking our pages on Twitter and Facebook. Our handle there is at Leadership Hacker. Instagram, you can find us there at the underscore leadership underscore hacker. And at YouTube, we're just Leadership Hacker. So that's me signing off. I'm Steve Rush, and I've been the Leadership Hacker.